Hi, welcome to Hold the Light, a show for lifelong learners who are curious about the ways we can deepen our connection to our spiritual and personal growth. I'm Lori Gunning Grossman. Today on the show, I have Lisa Hockham. Lisa is a self-portrait, lifestyle, and brand photographer and the founder of The Golden Brand. She's also the host of The Golden Brand Podcast. I have been so inspired by Lisa and her work and how she shows up to help guide and support people through the power of photography. So one aspect of her work is in helping people with the creative strategy and direction for their personal brands through self-portrait, lifestyle, and editorial photography, specifically with the use of their iPhones. But here's why I wanted to talk with Lisa on this podcast. It's because of the work she does in helping women learn how to love heal, and accept themselves through the art of self-portrait photography. She does this through a membership community she calls the Self-Portrait Studio. And I also wanted to talk to her about the work she does in providing transition-affirming photography sessions to young members of the transgender community. Her gift is in helping people feel seen. We talk about all of these things in our conversation, including her personal reason for how and why she got into this work, what she discovered when she went down the neuroscience rabbit hole regarding how we see ourselves and why we may not accept what we see in photographs. And by the way, this is super cool. You've got to hear what she has to say. And she shares her personal connection to why she works with people in the transgender community. I love this episode. I think you're going to love it, too. And so here's my chat with the beautiful and open-hearted Lisa Hawkham. Welcome to Hold the Light. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So my intention with this conversation between the two of us is to hold a light for you and your work as a photographer, first with how you empower women to allow themselves to be seen and accept themselves through self-portrait photography, and also how you offer transition-affirming photography sessions to young members of the transgender community. So welcome. Thank you, Lori. And thank you again for the space for this. This is, um, I have the opportunity to talk about self-portraits pretty frequently, but the gender-affirming part of what I do for the trans youth is not something that I have spoken about before. So I appreciate you giving me space for that today. Yes, of course. And you know what? It's like one of the things that I'm most excited to talk to you about, because it's such a beautiful thing to offer this space for people. So we're going to get to that. Let's first start with this question I have for you. So your work is based around photography, but it's more than just about taking photographs, right? And you've said that it's about shifting self-perception through healing. And this is what I want to know. What in your own life experience inspired you to follow this path? Well, okay, so much up until this point. I would say my entire life experience up until this point. And I'm not sure how much you know of the moments I discovered self-portrait photography or how I came to that, but I can I can unravel those steps to help make sense of why I ended up where I did. And yes, I think, well, part of it is, um, you know, photography was always there for me, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything that I was willing to let get in the driver's seat. It was more like, okay, I see you. 
and you're really cute, but how about hopping in the third row because I have real work to do. I actually have mm. like other things I need to do in life. And, you know, gradually it became harder and harder to ignore. And then during the pandemic, I was working with clients on their brand strategy and I was having these conversations with them. And I, when you're working with personal brands, there's so much of ourselves that we want to put in and we want to hold back. And what I kept finding was the little pieces of their story that they wanted to keep closed off. That's exactly what was keeping us from getting to know them. And there was something they were holding back and we could sense that. You know, at the end of the day, what was the most difficult for them was being seen and showing up as themselves. And so I started to reflect on that for me. And I was, you know, I'm 50 now. So at the time when I started doing this, I was about 47, 48. And I was looking at myself in the mirror, thinking about these conversations with these other business owners. And it hit me that I just fully expected one day. I would look in the mirror and I would know myself and recognize myself on this deep, deep level. Mm. Like, okay, I don't know about you, but yeah. I always had these really strong matriarchs in my life who seem to be so self-realized and they know themselves and they know their history and they just know their place in the world. And I, I thought that would just be me. I thought it would hit a certain age and that would click. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of women think that, too, by the way, that oh. we get to a certain age and suddenly we will be like in flowy dresses with like turquoise and silver and just living <laughs> our best life and <laughs> out there. <laughs> no, you're right. And it, and it just seems like something that you almost earn just from simply having so many years of life experience. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, no, this is a conscious choice. This is a conscious choice to stop and look at all these parts of myself that I maybe haven't had the opportunity to or um, I didn't feel safe to, mm -hmm. right? And so I, being a photographer, decided, well, great, I think I'm going to uh, turn the camera on myself. I'm going to face my own fears of showing up. I'm going to figure out who I am apart from this adjusted, emeshed person, this, this adult, right? From who I'd been in my childhood with the way that I was brought up to only really consider my functionality insofar as it served others. Right. So for me to now consider myself and put myself out there and then put myself in front of the camera, that was that was my first step. And I'm a pretty resilient person. And I thought I could really just, it's going to be a piece of cake. I'm going to get great photos. I know how to do this. I know how to make it happen. And when I saw myself reflected back in those images, it was all of a sudden, there were all these parts of myself that I had sort of kept under wraps, and I was able to ignore them and not really acknowledge them because I was so busy moving forward that uh, they all just they all just collided. It was like this time compressed, and here was everything I had to deal with. Wow! And it was yeah, and it was presenting in the form of my own self reflection and the fact that I didn't know, I didn't recognize the woman that I saw in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the moment for me. That was the the big transition moment. It's so good. So so you work with women in addition to as you just said like working with your own self. 
with this about taking self-portraits? And how does it help people on a deeper level? How is this like shifting consciousness and even how it did it for yourself? Well, okay. So it's funny. I was having this conversation with my, my son this morning because my son is the reason why I offer the gender-affirming sessions. And we were sort of talking about self-perception and reflection and how those two things go together. I think it, okay, so based on what I said from my own personal story, there's a lot that we just accommodate around. There's there's things that happen. There's um, parts of ourselves that we're not we're so used to not looking at that we don't want to examine. And then we sort of shift and accommodate everything in our lives around that block. So when you face yourself in this way, or actually that sounds a little aggressive. I like to call it meeting yourself for Mm. the first time. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that there's so much more to you literally than meets the eye, and there is a reason why you might feel disconnect or frustration or even animosity toward your own self-image. And I know you like science. I know yeah. you love when there is a scientific reason or an explanation, an explanation that comes through our brain that is making us feel what we feel. And so, yes. and this was the big thing was realizing it's not personal, realizing that this feeling that I felt was universal. And so I think that the self-portraiture and looking at yourself and examining yourself in this way is key to realizing that all this self-criticism or the, the flaws and the faults that you see and the dissatisfaction that you may feel around your own body is a universal thing. Hmm. So do you want me to tell you what I discovered when I went down the science rabbit hole? Yes, of course. Let's do it. Okay. Because this is the juicy stuff. This is the stuff that lights me up. So I, you know, like you, you're on social media, you're on Instagram. There's a whole bunch of things telling us how we should be, how we should look. And then equally so, um, a lot of messaging around um, just just be comfortable, just be yourself, let go of all your baggage and show up as you, right? right? But nobody's right. telling you how, right? They're not telling you how, but more importantly, they're not getting to the root of that and they're not telling you why you feel that way in the first place. So for me, that's what I had to discover and that's what I had to get to. And um, there's many, many factors going on, but when I started going down the rabbit hole into neuroscience and how the brain works and how we're just wired for our preferences, that was when you know I was able to connect the dots and then use what I was doing in front of the camera to my advantage. So um, there is a principle called the mere exposure effect, or it's also known as the familiarity principle. Okay. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but if you're not, um, there was a Polish scientist, his name was Robert Zients, and he coined this principle, which explains the phenomenon for preferring one thing over another. Okay. Then there are secondary studies that show, like they took photographs of you, for example, right? right? And they would take a photograph of you taken with a professional camera and they would show it to your family. And then they would show your family a selfie image. And 
nine times out of 10, 10, 10 times out of 10, the family would always say, we like this professional photo better. Not because it's better quality, but because of the camera that's being used. Okay. So I'll get to the explanation yeah. for that in a minute. Okay. And then nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, the subject would prefer the selfie. Okay. So of course I had to know why. What I discovered was this combination of what's familiar to us and the reversed mirror image. Okay. So if you think about opening up your camera, you swipe up, you open your camera, you open up the selfie, what you see of yourself in your selfie cam is exactly what you see in the mirror. Okay. It's a reversed right. image of your face, right? Right. And so... The way that the eye works, the light goes in, it hits the back of the retina, it reverses the image and it puts it back out. So when we are looking at ourselves in the mirror, we are seeing our left side on our right, our right side on our left, we're inverted. Okay. And we're also inverted in the selfie. So our preference for our own face is confirmed by this familiarity principle, this mirror exposure effect every single time we look in the mirror. Then we open up the selfie cam, and it's confirmed by that. Right. Now, when you realize that you are the only person in the entire world that sees this reversed image, you so you are essentially the only person that doesn't know what you truly look like. Whoa. Right? Unless you are on camera all the time, you're always having your photo taken. Those um, are instances where, you know, for actors, actresses, where they are seeing themselves in a true reflection. Okay. So they have a better perception of their actual faces. But most of us, what do we get? We have a photo shoot with our family maybe once a year at right. Christmas time for the right. Christmas card. And so that explains why your family would prefer the non-reversed image from a front-facing camera with a photographer versus the selfie image that is flipped because yeah. they don't actually see you that way. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> is this why I'll speak for myself? I will look at a photo, say, of like myself and my family, and I'll say to myself, that doesn't look like me. But then I'll look at their faces and I'll be like, well, that looks exactly like my husband and my daughter and my son. But this can't be right because that doesn't look yep. like me. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so wild. Yeah. Why does everybody else take a good picture? Why am I the yeah. only one that looks weird in this picture? Why can nobody ever take a good picture of me? I mean, we've always, mm -hmm. we've all said that, we've all thought it, but when you realize like, oh, okay, so I don't have to pick apart my nose or my wide forehead or my, my eyes or whatever it is that I fixate on when yeah. I look at myself in photos, and maybe I can get used to seeing myself in the other way that everyone else sees me and knows me and loves me, right? No one's yeah. rejecting me. No one thinks I look weird. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just me. So it's already been confirmed that you are lovable as you are. And therefore, you're the odd one out at that point. That's your discovery to make. Oh my God. This is so <laughs> fascinating to me. It goes to such deep levels. It's not mm -hmm. just about photographs. So earlier you mentioned your son. I would love to talk a bit about your work with the members of the transgender community. Are you open to sharing how you got into offering the transition affirming sessions to young members of the transgender community? 
And is this also why you learned about the neuroscience that you talked about earlier as well? Well, I learned, okay, so I learned about the neuroscience because, well, it's that resilience that I talked about before. I, I have a very logical brain. And if I can have logic trump emotion, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> then, then that's my go-to. Now, sometimes that works out beautifully for me. And sometimes I paint myself into a corner, which is fine because I learn from either, you know, I learn either way. Um, but that's how I made that discovery. And having that window open that there's more than meets the eye. And yes. then the confirmation of that was, I think the timing is not coincidental because I went on the journey. I made the transformation. I looked at myself, um, kind of went into, you know, the way childhood upbringing, self-perception, just all these things that I had spent a lifetime not looking at and normally things that somebody might take stock of later in life, but I was given this gift of doing it now. And I think it's really interesting that once I was reaching a natural conclusion with that and starting to share it with others and starting to build a community around it and help other women with it and then teach it and really integrate it because you really, really learn something on a deeper level when you share it through the experiences of others. Yes. That was when my son told us that he was transgender and... um so I don't think the timing was a coincidence. I think that was that was preparing me in um, in a much deeper way, and it was setting me up for the ability to get outside myself and put my own issues aside to be fully present with him and what he needed from me. And so he is actually diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Okay, and so you know it's. It's a it's a timely topic right now in the news, and I don't know how much you know about it, but um, essentially to to boil it down, and it's much more complex. But just to boil it down, it is this uh, feeling of being in the wrong body and a disconnection with the body that you have. So it's almost like what I experienced, but my experience of that and that disconnection was maybe ten percent right. of what he was experiencing. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, when he shared that, I think it is, it's so easy. <laughs> we can do a whole podcast episode yeah. on this, but it's yeah. so easy when you have that moment of realizing somebody is sharing something with you. And then you're so grateful that you have the presence of mind to be still yeah, and to listen and to really soak in the moment and the magic of what's happening and not try to fix or solve or be afraid, right? you know, but just be there. And I couldn't have done that for him before. If I didn't know how to give that to myself first, then I think the way that I responded in that moment uh, would have put us on a different path to where we are today. Oh, first of all, Lisa, I had chills when you just said that. Because it's so beautiful and divine also that you were put on your path first in this discovery, self-discovery, and that path opened up for your son to express himself. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I know. 
And when you have the presence of mind to realize it when it's happening, I mean, because everything's easy in hindsight, right? Right. But the real gratitude was, okay, whatever the outcome is, wherever this future brings us, I have this moment. I always have, I always have the peace of mind of knowing this moment was exactly as I wanted it to be. Right. And that presence for me is something that I mean, I walk through the world differently now with this mm. awareness of myself that I didn't have before. And I'm watching him figure out how to walk through the world with this awareness that he can now articulate. And uh, we're, it, it's just very interesting, these two paths that we're on together. So yeah. I realized in talking to him about you know, his own self-perception and his relation to his body. And he takes his own photographs, by the way. Okay. And so I have not had the privilege of photographing him. And I know I will at some point. Again, I'll have the presence yeah, yeah. <laughs> to just be so grateful in that moment. Right. But he is doing this for himself. And so after talking to women and and hearing their experiences and then him and hearing his experience, um, me offering these sessions to youth, it just it just felt like such a calling for me to be able to give this gift um, to others. And now, you know, everybody is at a different point on their transition journey. And it's it's different whether you have dysphoria or not. It's no less valid. It is just a different experience for someone who doesn't have it. So for example, someone who doesn't have dysphoria would be maybe more comfortable mm -hmm. doing pre-transition pre photos to have that benchmark to remember the before and to have that, that touchstone of going back and revisiting what was from the distance of what is now as right. they get further down the road, right? Right. Um, whereas somebody with dysphoria, usually, now this is, again, different from person to person, but there is so much self-loathing and shame that can be tied up in the now body pre-transition that they may not want to capture that moment, right? They may just want to bury it or hide it or I see. not ever see themselves wanting to go back to it. They don't right. necessarily have the benefit of the the forethought knowing something will be different down the road. Right. And that for me was mind blowing because it's that is no different than the work that we do inside of the membership that I have where I help women with this very thing. And you know, I think that there is such a, um, and this is a side topic, but there's such an urge to delete or just get rid of what's uncomfortable or kind of pull a veil over what we don't like and hide it. Right. And I think it's so important to uh, think twice before you hit the delete button <laughs> oh, in life, yes. in your photos, yes. you know, just before you write anything off and just remember that you're not going to feel this way all the time. There'll be a time when you want to be able to look back and then and then be able to see that growth, whatever that growth trajectory yeah. is. So yes. that's what those photo sessions are. That's what they're really about. And they're about validating the way that this person is moving through the world by choice now and reflecting that back to them as well. Yes. Okay. So in these photography sessions, in the transition affirming photography sessions, the people who are choosing to do it, do they want to see kind of like the step by step of 
the before and the after? And also, is that the right terminology of saying before and after? Like, I <laughs> I never want to say anything that, you know, because my children, they, you know, I'm still learning. You know, I'm still learning. As you know, my son is gay. And, um, and so we are... We're in it with him with like the terminology and how we are to speak in a way that is compassionate for everybody. So is that something you say for people who are of the transgender community of taking pictures before and after? Is is that how they talk about it? Well, I OK, so I am with you. I am also learning. And I yeah. know that it, you know, it, it, it kind of seems like I... I should maybe know more because of where my son is, but I really only know his experience on a deeper level. Mm. Um, But I do know that the general term is just transition. Uh. And so because transition means something different for everybody. So for example, if somebody is transgender, um, they don't always choose to you know, have hormone therapy, or they don't always choose to have the surgery. Um, They, they have different points in the journey along which they feel they need to move. And there's no, you know, there's no finish line that is the same for everybody. So it's really everybody's experience within the arc is completely unique. And what they would want to capture or not is also, <laughs> it's also very unique. Yeah. Um, and what I had, and I had to do a lot of education around that too. And so I, I appreciate you being honest about wanting to get it right and wanting to know more because I mean, that's how I always am. I'm always peppering my son with questions and yeah. he's so sweet and so patient and, and answers them for me because he would so much rather me ask than just assume, right? Right. Yes. But when I started offering them in my mind, it was almost like a reveal. You know, I was picturing in my mind this reveal of somebody would maybe have top surgery, um, male or female, and then want to showcase this new body and, and, you know, celebrate. Um, But I, I don't think that's true. I think people want to capture different moments along the way for different reasons. Um, And then, you know, there's also a hesitation to show a body to somebody that you don't feel great about right Right. now. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in that case, they may decide to take their own photos, which I think is really beautiful. There's actually a, um, if you want to look him up or put him in the show notes, there's a beautiful self-portrait photographer. He is trans male and his name is Marvell M-A-R-V-E-L Harris. And he took the most heart-wrenching, beautiful self-portraits before and in the hotel room the night before his surgery and then immediately following. And that series is just like, it is incredible. But to get that transparency and to have somebody, you know, he's a photographer, right? So to have somebody have the self-awareness to capture the whole arc is, is kind of unusual. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for that tip. I will definitely make mention of that in the show notes. um, So everyone can go, go see him. So is all of this just getting the core of our wanting to be seen, like our spirit, our souls? Is that what we're getting to? It feels like that. 
Yeah. I mean, that's really perceptive that you picked that up because we do an eight-week challenge where members in the Self-Portrait Studio receive a prompt. And I give them prompts because sometimes the what do I do in front of the camera is more draining than the actual getting in front of the camera. So they are responsible for finding their location, their light, maybe their wardrobe, and then the emotion they bring to the photo. But the parameters are there for them. Um, And I would say, you know, this is very general, but around out of the eight weeks, around week four, week five people start to show up and talk about their experience and say, I didn't have a lot of time this week, so I just didn't do my hair, I didn't do my makeup, I just sat. And then they talk a little bit more and we start to hear, and these are some of my favorite photos so far. Yeah. And what's happening is they're not curating, they're not being performative, they're just getting to that point where they feel self-compassionate enough to sit in front of the camera and just let it be. Because I think at the end of the day, that's all we all want is to just let it be. Oh, yeah. And it's the shedding, right? But you have to, you have got to give yourself, you got to give your brain something to chew on while you get on with the business of of shedding. And sometimes it's just doing something again and again until it's almost on autopilot. And then you're out of your own brain, you're in your body, and you're just getting it done. And I think that that is, that's the whole goal. It's not to be more photogenic. It's not to show up as your best sassy self in photos or have this tight fisted curated image that yeah. you control what we see. It's just, I just want to let it go. And I want to be okay with what comes out on the other side. Yes. And I love that you mentioned self-compassion. I think that's so huge for us to bring self-compassion in every moment in front of the camera, mm-hmm. behind the camera, in our daily life. And I think it's so beautiful. I don't know if you have this experience. I've definitely had this experience where uh, there'll be a photo of myself. And in my mind, I will think to myself, oof, you know, oh, that's not a that's not a good photo of me. But the people who love me, my husband, my daughter, my son, will tell me how beautiful I look. Because they're looking at me, I think to myself, through the eyes of love. You know, they're they're not just seeing the what is they're seeing the energy and everything that's behind it and that's so beautiful and it's something that you know I'm trying to bring to the table more for myself and I think that's what you're doing with your work with women to help women and also members as we said of the of the transgender community to see ourselves with love, you know? Yeah, and that's the goal, right? Is to look at the picture and remember the moment and remember the feeling of the moment and the sounds and the smells and the experience and, you know, not have your first words be, I look fat. Oh, (laughs) yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, so as we are rounding up, I just have one more question and it's, it's a takeaway for people. What is something that you wish that people, all people, could take away as far as how to show up as themselves? And we can say specifically in front of the camera or just allowing them to be visible in general. What's something you would offer to people? I would remind you that you have more, and I'm I'm going to use power here, but I'm going to use it in the way that sometimes when we show up um, in front of the camera or where somebody else is in control 
over the results of our image, right? A videographer, a photographer, we tend to put everything in their hands. Mm. And um, there's a lot that you can bring on your side as well. And to just fully experience where you are. Um, there's a really beautiful quote. It was the difference between self-confidence and self-compassion. And I think it was self-confidence is asking, am I okay to show up in this way? And then the self-compassion is asking what's okay for me. Mm. And I think if you can approach it from that perspective and what's okay for me, what am I comfortable with? And remember that you have agency on your side I think that makes a lot of difference in how that feels. It's beautiful. I love it. I love the work that you're doing, Lisa. And I thank you so much also for sharing about your family in this conversation, about your son, who, by the way, I met, as you know, and I think is just a bright, <laughs> shining light in this world. And you, too. I just want to thank you for being a gorgeous, golden light holder and helping people on a level of accepting ourselves is is beautiful work that I think you're doing in this world. So I just want to hold the light for you and say thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Lori. I appreciate you too. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you. To learn more about Lisa, visit her website at thegoldenbrand.co or find her on Instagram at thegoldenbrandco. Also, Lisa hosts her own podcast called The Golden Brand Podcast, where she delves into the art of bringing moments to life. You can find her podcast on Spotify or visit our show notes for direct links. Thanks for listening. Keep holding the light. Thank you for listening to Hold the Light. For more information about this episode and the topics discussed, visit our show notes or find more at holdthelightcollective.com or on Instagram at holdthelightcollective. This podcast is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman. Jonathan Grossman is our co-producer and all-around sound guru. He also wrote the original music. This podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio in Los Angeles, California. Finally, if you like the show, please rate, review, and share it with a friend. Let's share the light with each other.